I said, you can never hear good news too much. I like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like with my wife. I'm like, just tell me you love me every day. I mean, amen. I don't, don't ever stop telling me how good I look. Don't ever stop telling me, no, I'm uh, But you know, you, that, that good news, you want to hear that over and over and over again, amen? So there's nothing wrong with hearing a little good news. Don't ever let the enemy make you feel funny because you're like, oh, I heard this part already. As if there's nothing else to receive from his word, amen? Uh, so, so enjoy this from beginning to end. Uh, let's just go to God with a word of prayer as we pray over this moment. Father, we thank you for this time of hearing your word. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place to do what it is that you do. Teach us today. May it be you who is doing the thinking and the speaking. May it be you who is doing the revealing. We thank and praise you that as a result of this message, we will be set free and made whole. I thank you that something will ignite in us today as the truth is revealed even further of who we are in Christ. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as we've been talking about uh, the gospel of grace, we begin talking about what's up here on the board, which dealt with the sequence of life for a believer. Oftentimes, we have been taught in the past, not fully incorrect, but definitely incomplete, that in order for me to be a successful Christian, the thing I need to be focusing on is making sure I live right. Now, right living is important, but we've been taught I need to make sure I'm living right so that I please God because if I don't live right and please God, what's gonna happen is, is somehow I may lose my salvation. I may lose my spot in heaven. When I get to heaven, Peter's gonna slam the gate, they're gonna spit on me and kick me out. And somehow I'm gonna be sucked down to hell where I will die and burn and, and, and this horrible thing will happen. And so that, 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 that fear, let's be honest, has driven a lot of us to try to make sure that we live what we call according to the word so that we maintain peace with God. Anybody been taught that or used to live that way or maybe still live that way? I know it was me, definitely. I want to maintain peace with God. I want to make sure that, that I don't ever find myself on the wrong side of God. I mean, who wants to be on the wrong side of God, right? And we've lived our life that way and I want to tell you, if that's you and you were like me, you, you had been living your life not really understanding the truth or not really understanding the word and not really understanding the gospel. As we've been studying, the truth is the word, is the gospel, is grace, is Jesus. And the good news is, is that Jesus was sent because God loves us. Just think about John 3, 16, that scripture. How many of you guys know John 3, 16? You've heard that before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a scripture most of us learned in Sunday school or children's ministry as a foundational scripture of how salvation works. 
But even though we know that, as we've gotten older and gotten deeper in our understanding, somehow it began to get tainted. God loved us so much. Now, what kind of love is that? Is that a conditional love? No, it's an unconditional love. Let me just make it real plain and get to the point. Does God love the man? Yeah. It's not a trick question, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Y'all like, I don't know. What man? What man are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe you're talking about my man. I don't know. But, but no, no, does God love males, the men, in that sense? Yes. Does God love females? Does God love white folk? Does God love black folk? Does God love Hispanic folk? Does God love Asian folk? And, and whoever other folk? Yeah, God loves all people, right? Now, question, does God love a Muslim? All right, good job. Does God love a Buddhist? Yeah, God loves you regardless. Does God love a homosexual? Does God love a transgender person? God loves all of us. He may not like the decisions you're making. He definitely doesn't love your sin, but he loves you. See, some of y'all were with me until I got to the homosexual folk and the transgender folks. You're like, well, they're, they're, they're what? They're sinning. No different than the liar. No different than the thief. No different than the fornicator. No different than the adulterer. Because there's no degree of sin with God. And some of that stuff is stuff some of y'all are doing right now. So not to get too deep into that, but you are no different than them. It's just we can see the results of their decision. See, this is important because then you have that teenage girl who gets pregnant and she thinks God doesn't love me because the result of my fornication, I have to wear it. And so she becomes condemned, she becomes shamed, whereas the guy who's committing adultery sitting right next to you in the pew, we never know. And then all of a sudden you end up in this imbalance with people not understanding that this love is an unconditional love. Agape love is an unconditional love. That means under no condition does it stop. Doesn't the word say that nothing, no thing can separate us from God's love? Because to be separated from God's love means grace now does not apply to you. And grace always applies to us all. It's always available. But the moment I stop believing God loves me, I then believe grace doesn't apply to me. Because I have not met the conditions for his love. That's why his love has to be unconditional. Because if you put conditions on his love, then people stop qualifying for it. And the only qualification to receive his love is to believe. But we'll get there in a minute. So God loves us all. God loves all of his creation. Now what's important to realize is all of his creation haven't accepted their status as his children. If I don't believe in his love and the results from his love, two, three, and four, then I am his creation with an opportunity to be his child, but I have to believe to cross over into that status. There's a place for all people reserved as a child of God. But the only difference between you and them and me and them is that we believe. That's the only difference. Somebody say the only difference. 
it's not that you know more scripture. It's not that you've been saved longer. It's not, none of that. It's not that you give more. It's not that you attend church more. All of those things are great, but they don't make you any better than anybody else. Now somebody say, why is that important? Well, that's really important because when you get down here to the part of your fruit blessing others, which is what the life of a believer is supposed to do. The Holy Spirit produces love in you. That love is something people can take and receive God through you. You, you, you will block that from people because you start saying, not that person. God, surely you don't want me to minister to the homosexual person. No, oh no, no, they need to get right first. No, they get right by receiving his love through you. As they receive his love, they will first of all learn what right even is. Did you know sinners sin? They're doing what they do. And until love comes in to disrupt the pattern of sin, they will continue to sin. That's why the devil don't want you around nobody else but Christians. He don't want your love disrupting his plan. So he says, no, y'all just come and keep getting together on Sundays and Wednesdays and, and, and Sunday nights and your revivals and all these, your conferences, and y'all just keep doing that. And y'all just keep working on becoming the, the next big thing and this, that, and the other, because as long as y'all preaching to each other, as long as y'all keep preaching to each other, I'm good. Y'all got to excuse my voice. They had me out drinking all last night, and now I'm just playing. They, I was, somebody was like, oh. <gasps> No, my daughter had a, she had a volleyball game yesterday morning, and then uh, some, me and some of the guys, they took us to the Texans game last night, so if I, I, I'm, I hit puberty a while ago, uh, but, it, but don't think, that, you know, don't let that bother you, all right? <laughs> but, but many of us, we, we sit there and we look at this, and we say, I, there's conditions on his love, and I'm telling you, it's, it's unconditional. So for you to understand grace, for you to understand your place in Christ, for you to understand your authority, you have to settle and establish that God's love is absolute, it's complete, it's perfect, and so there is nothing that will separate you from it. The word says, perfect love casts out fear. And that's what a lot of people experience. They experience this fear, and it stops them from receiving grace. Because they're like, I don't qualify. Everyone qualifies for God's love. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So because he loved us, he sent Jesus, who according to John 1, 14, I'll pop that up on the screen real quick, guys, if you can. According to John 1, 14, it says, uh, Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And like we've talked about when we studied that out, full of means permeated with, or he became, and, and, and not became, but he was one with grace and truth. It's infused in him. It's a part of him. He is grace and he is the truth. Amen? Now, what is grace? That's God's unmerited favor. That's God's free gift to us all. It's because of grace. Grace says, I don't have to earn salvation from God. It's been just given to me. Go to Ephesians, oh sorry, and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, and then it should say after that, full of grace and truth. So here's the truth on that. We, we wrote it down a couple of weeks ago and, it, and I'll move to both sides so y'all can see it. So here you have Jesus who is the word that was made flesh and he's full of grace 
and truth. So Jesus equals grace. The word equals grace. The truth is grace. Jesus is the word that is truth. So they're all one and the same. So Jesus doesn't just have grace, just like God doesn't just have love. According to 1 John 4, 8, God indeed is love. Jesus, full of grace and truth, became our sacrifice. There was a price to pay for your sins that you could not pay, that I could not pay. And Jesus paid it all. How? With his blood. And we talked about the currency of the blood a couple of weeks ago and how it's more precious than diamonds, it's more, uh, it's more valuable than money, it's more valuable than gold or silver. It was a currency that bought you back and paid the price, settled the account of your sins. Amen? Uh, go to Ephesians uh, 2.89 real quick. So grace, again, Jesus, who became our sacrifice, did so freely. It says, for by grace are you saved. How am I saved? No, by acting right. By going to church a whole, whole lot. By coming down and signing my name on the road. By going through all the new members classes. Even if I hadn't done none of that stuff yet, it's by grace that I'm saved through what? Faith through me believing in what grace did. Do I believe that grace, who is Jesus, who is the word, who is the truth, sacrificed, and as a result, I'm forgiven. As a result, I'm right with God. I have to believe in what grace did. It's not good enough just to believe that there was a Jesus. That's what some people say, I believe in Jesus. Well, what do you believe about Jesus? Some people believe in Jesus and don't know what he did. Or don't, better yet, don't understand what he did. He went up on a cross for me. Yes, and what did that do for you? It made you right with God. Say that with me. Jesus made me right with God. Let's say you got a boss at work and you, you've been messing up and messing up and messing up and you know you are one more mess up away from that pink slip. <laughs> and you don't mess up once, you actually mess up twice in one day. What is your expectation now? I'm going to get fired. But what if I was to say that somebody showed up out of the blue and then not only covered those mistakes that day, and erased them from your file, but erased all your past mistakes, erased all your future mistakes as well. And even if you made mistakes, they weren't going to show up in your file and your boss wouldn't even know about it. That would be too good to be true, wouldn't it? That's what Jesus did with your sins. Yeah, that's what he did. He showed up and cleaned your file. And not only that said, even your future write-ups that you ought to get have been taken care of. And therefore, no disciplinary action can be applied to you because I took all your mistakes. But then he went one step further. He didn't just take your mistakes. The Bible says he took the punishment too. Why did he take the punishment? Just so you would know that it's all been settled. I said it's all been settled. So whatever negative may be trying to show up in your life, I want you to know it's there illegally. 
There is no double jeopardy when it comes to the things of God. There is no double jeopardy when it comes to sin and the penalty of sin. He paid it all. You cannot be tried for what he's already won. He says, for my grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, verse 9. Not of works. It says it right there clear as day. You can't earn salvation lest any man should boast. Uh, the Amplified, uh, verse 8. Uh, go there real quick. Let's just look at these other key words uh, that are added in there. Are you getting this? So again, God loved us. He sent grace. And grace, as a result, became the sacrifice for us. You guys got the Amplified? Or? Let's just turn to it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, For it is by free grace. See, that's the word I wanted you to see. It's by free grace. What's, how much is free? How much does free cost you? You know what free actually costs you? Your belief. You got to believe it's free. If I said right now I got, I got free cars for everybody. Some of y'all just said in your mind where they at. So if you don't believe <laughs> that I'm telling you the truth, guess what? You won't show up. Some of us don't believe until we see somebody else driving the blessing that was also for us. And guess what? Might be a little late by then. Not that God runs out, but the timing. I don't, I don't know about you, but I've missed the timing several times. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are they, why are they, can we be honest? Why are they walking in that and I ain't walking in it? What's the difference? God said, you didn't believe me. That's all it cost you is belief. It's all it costs you is faith. And faith requires us to get us out the way. It requires me to change my mind and say God's word is true and it's paramount and I will follow it. I know you have faith because I see how you're moving. I see how you're acting, I see how you're talking. So if I say right now, I had free cars for everybody, the faith folk would be, not, no, nah, I don't, but the faith folk <laughs> would be right down here in front saying, tell me what I must do to drive out of here with my car. And then I would give you instructions. Hey, go to the communication desk, pick up your keys. And that's kind of what God has done. He said, listen, this salvation, it's, it's free. It's, it's by grace. He, he took care of everything. And, and so it's free, and all you got to do is show up and receive it. Now, to drive in your salvation, to live in your salvation, to walk in your salvation, just like I would give you directions to go out there and get your keys, he gives you direction for your everyday life of how to now obtain what he has already secured for you. Your salvation has already been made. Your blessing has already been created and made. But now to obtain it or to operate in it, you have to follow his instructions. That's where right living comes into play. That's where submitting your will to the will of God. So he says, walk out there, turn left, go to this person, do this, boom. And you do it and you're like, whoa, look at God. But it doesn't just stop there with one thing. It becomes a way of life. 
where you just go from blessing to blessing or from glory to glory, from experiencing God's goodness, supernatural healing, supernatural prosperity, supernatural everything, all because you're now operating at a non-natural level. You're operating at God's level, and God operates only in the supernatural. Some of y'all didn't hear that. He operates in the spirit realm, and God only operates in things above or beyond the natural. Supernatural results should not be miracles in your life. Miracles are great, but we were designed to operate always in the supernatural. The healing that you get, the prosperity that comes up, the promotion, the increase, all that stuff should be commonplace in your life. Now, other people won't get it. They won't understand unless they're a believer. But they'll look at your life and say, what are you doing? And you'll get to say, I'm just trusting God. And I'm operating on the same plane that he operates in because Jesus has pulled me up into a place that I didn't deserve and I didn't earn, but I'm there nonetheless, and I got the blessing. And that's where we're supposed to be operating from right now. It says, for it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved and it, then the Amplified defines what that means. Delivered from judgment. Why? Because Jesus already took on the judgment. And made partakers, not of your own salvation, of Christ's salvation. As I've said before, he got the A on the test. We got a double F. And while we were sitting there sad, about to be left behind. He shows up with the perfect grade and say, I'm going to give you all my A. And as a result, as I get promoted, you are promoted with me. And not only do you get the A, you get the benefits that come along with it. See, some of you just, you just glad you got the A. Oh, I barely made it in. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, so, oh Lord. He's like, get up. Now that you got the A and you've been promoted, I need you to operate now at this level. Amen. You're like, wait, but I got a double F. You remember, I didn't, I didn't actually pass the class. And he's like, absolutely. That's why I've put my spirit on the inside of you to instruct you and direct you so that you will get and maintain this A-level mentality, ability, as I did, now you can do it because I'm in you now. But if you don't know that, if you don't believe that, if you don't receive that, you will have an A operating at a double F mentality. And then you have a double F life. That almost sounds like I'm cussing. You'll, you'll have a bad life. <laughs> I said, clean it up. <laughs> You have a bad life. Well, I mean, it's kind of true, but anyway. Uh, you have a bad life, and as a result, many believers are walking around like, why is my life so messed up? And it's because they don't actually understand he is now in you. And there is a positioning that you should be functioning from by trusting him. You now can do as he did when he passed the test. But it requires you to trust him more than you. 
trust his mind more than your mind. Because if you get into your mind, that's double F mind. But you get into his mind, that's the A mind. So every day I wake up, I say, give me your excellent will. Give me your perfect plan, God. Because as soon as I get into my plans and my will, I'm getting into that old way that couldn't get this done in the first place. So why not just get into what you've given me freely? I'm a partaker in Christ's salvation through my faith. That's why I told you it only cost you your belief. And then it says, and this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving or working, but it's a gift from God. Verse 9. And again, it says it again. It's kind of repeating itself on the whole works part. It says, not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law demands for all the law people. That's like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but the law still. No, no, no. It just says right there. It's not about fulfilling the law. Somebody tell me, why is it not about fulfilling the law for you? Because Jesus already did that. You're trying to fulfill a law that he fulfilled. The Bible literally says Jesus or Christ is the end of the law. For the believer, somebody say for the believer. The law is now obsolete. There's still moral laws that existed before the law. And we're going to get into this teaching. It's a little deeper, but we're going to get into that in a little, uh, not today, but a little bit, uh, because the moral law, which is really wrapped up in the Ten Commandments, I mean, you still, how many of you, you shouldn't be walking around killing people? You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't be walking around covenant and all that stuff. So there are some moral laws that existed before the, 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 the Ten Commandments and the other 603 laws were put into place. And then God writes his law of love on our heart, it talks about. So there, we, we're not lawless. But what it's saying here is the law's demands of living as he told Jewish people to live back then, that's not how you get saved. That's how you know you need a savior. I said, that's how you know you need a savior. The law was put into existence to show people that you can't do this without God. And so as the story goes, there was only one human who did it all, and his name was Jesus. Amen. So he fulfilled the law. His blood paid the price for your sins. He took the punishment. So there's nothing left for you to do as it relates to you being saved. Only thing you need to do is believe in what they did. God reconciled man by himself to himself. You were not a part of that process with your double F self. Because <laughs> it would have messed it up. So he needed purity. He needed everything to be perfect. And then he said, now take on what we did for you. That's why we worship him. That's why we praise him. That's why we bow down. That's why we, uh, when I say bow down, you know, that's why we submit our lives. That's why we, we, we say, God, I love you. That's why we say, Jesus, thank you. See, some people got this wrong over time, and we somewhat did a disservice over the last 40 or 50 years in, in the Word of Faith circle uh, because we, we've allowed, to an extent, the thank yous, the praise, the worship, the giving, uh, all of that stuff to be based on getting something from God. You got everything from Him already. I said, you got everything from Him already. I said, you got everything. Somebody said, but I don't see it. That's just because you ain't believing yet. You want to fix your manifestation issue, fix your believing issue. Do I need to give more? You need to believe God more. And if he tells you to give, believe him. 
Did you hear what I said? I know, but I got seven books saying that, that if I give $1,000, I'm going to get $100,000. Well, you got seven books, that's wrong. What, what it is, is, is what God said was trust me. So if he tells you to give $1,000, give it. But you giving that $1,000 is not a magic act. You saying the special words is not, again, we said this before, that's that abracadabra prayer. If I say these words seven times, then God will manifest. No, he said, I already did it all. Jesus said, it's finished. Last I checked, he said, God rested from all his work at the beginning. See, some of us don't get that when it says that. God help me. I did. I already set everything in motion. Remember, God doesn't operate in time and space. We do. Your salvation was when he hooked up everything in the beginning. In that moment, God became, for lack of a better word, subject to time at that moment, beginning to operate in those six days. And then it said in the seventh day, he rested from how much of his work? So why do you think he's still trying to work right now? Everything concerning you is already in motion. It was done at the beginning. Some of y'all are going to get this when you get home. It was done at the beginning. What is it you're trying to believe God for right now? It was done by God at the beginning. Remember what I said? Higher levels of thinking. Higher level of understanding will equal higher levels of operation. That's why we go to church, is to hear this word and then to, to get it in and to study it. Man, this, this, and I don't like saying things like it blew my mind, and stuff, but this blew my mind. When I saw it, I was like, wait, 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 wait. He doesn't operate in time and space. So everything that he said concerning my life in 19, or 2019 was already done when he said, let there be light. It was already done. It is already done. And then Jesus came along and confirmed that it's mine when he said, it is finished. It is finished was meaning you are now reconnected back to God. You are now right with God. So everything that he created for you, you now have full access. There it is. Full access to. <laughs> you now have full access to as a result of what Jesus did. You're not trying to gain access to it. You have access. The only thing is, do you believe it? What are you doing right now that God has asked you to do that looks a little rough, looks a little tough, looks like it's not going to work out? The good news today for you is all is well. The good news is, is he's already worked it out. The good news is, is that there's already a way. All you need to do is trust him, spend time with him, Follow him, and you will end up with your keys to whatever the blessing is for your life. And that's whatever. And see, we have to settle this so that we can move beyond our needs and begin to serve the needs of those who don't even know him. 
Think about it. We have family members. We have friends. We have people, we have strangers that we don't even know. We have people all around this world that don't know this good news, this gospel of grace that we're preaching as a part of our ministry. They don't have access to him because they don't believe any of this, and some of them don't even know it. Some of them know it and don't understand it. Amen. And we're supposed to go and tell them. But we can't go tell them if we're not experiencing it. Because they'll say, well, what did he do for you? Well, it says, lest any man should boast, it is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. God says, I get all the glory. I did this. Not you, so receive it. If you understand that, say amen, so I know I can go for it. Okay, cool. All right, so, love of God gave grace. He sacrificed. We're now forgiven. We're now forgiven. We're now forgiven. Somebody's like, yeah, but, you know, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First of all, that is very true, but that is applying to the person who's not saved because he, he or she hasn't confessed. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, I've been messing up left and right. So I'm going to believe in you so you can cleanse me and forgive me. God's not get, Jesus is not getting up on that cross every time you sin. It says he got up there and your sins were forgiven once and for all. Now, am I saying you should live a life of sin? Do you think I'm saying that, yes or no? no. Yeah, thank you. I'm definitely not saying you should live a life of sin. What I'm saying is, is the penalty for that sin has already been paid. Some of y'all are like, mm, I don't know about that. Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. And then we're going get, to get to moving here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, and you can leave it in the Amplified. I need you to understand something. These first three words are important. It says, my little children, I write you these things so that you may not violate God's law and sin. So he says clearly right there, don't sin, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm not preaching you should sin. But this second sentence, we skip it. But if anyone should sin, we have an advocate, capital A, one who will intercede for us. By the way, where is Jesus at and what is he doing? He's seated at the right hand of the Father as our advocate interceding for us. So it says, hey, don't sin, but if you do screw up and sin, Jesus got you. He's interceding for us with the Father. It is Jesus Christ, the all-righteous, the upright, the just, who conforms to the Father's will in every purpose, thought, and action. So you're still covered. I said you're still covered. But I think it's important to note that first part which says my little children because only and don't get offended please but only the immature believer still needs to have this recapped over and over again. The mature believers already understand that my sin is no longer an issue with God. The mature believer believes that forgiveness 
took because the currency of the blood never loses its value. And as long as the blood keeps its value, my sins are no longer my issue. Let me say it a different way. As long as the blood keeps its value, there's nothing left to pay. As soon as money begins to lose its value, you may owe something. If the dollar is not what it was before and you go to buy something, they'll be like, you need, you need to get some more money. This ain't enough. You know, the dollar has lost its value. But the blood never loses its value. The blood was what it cost. By the way, just a drop was more than enough to take care of our sins. And it never, as we sing about, loses its power. And so as long as, as, long as the sacrifice is good, you're good. And so it says, don't worry about that. The mature believer gets that, understands that, and says, okay, I got to move on to other things then. Instead of trying to sit and gain forgiveness that Jesus has already taken care of. What about the sins I don't remember and the ones I don't know? He knows them all. You, you want to know why he knows them all? Because they're no longer yours. They're his. Did you know to sit up here and to worry about your sin is literally kind of like a smack in the face to a sacrifice. He purchased your sins. He laid his life down for your sins. They're no longer yours. You're trying to take back what's his. Leave that with him and move on. Amen? Amen. Okay. So um, let's go to Romans 5.1. Verse 2. I'm going to show you this. In, well, actually, no. Let's go to, uh, yeah, let's go there. We'll go there first. Romans 5, 1. Uh, yeah. It says, therefore, since we are justified, that means acquitted, declared righteous. So that means I'm, I'm, I'm now right with God because of everything Jesus did, and I didn't believe in it. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God. Did you see that? You were given this. This was gifted to you. You didn't earn it. It was given. But what, it, what does it cost me? My faith. Through faith, do I believe? Through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy. Did you know you were supposed to be enjoying life because you have peace with the fact that you're right with God? Peace with God through what Jesus did. He's the Messiah, he's the anointed one. Verse two, through him also we have our access, our entrance, our introduction by faith again into this grace, this state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely, when something's firmly placed in something, it's not moving. Nothing can pull it, nothing can shake it. Firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Uh, go to the New Living Translation on this same, on verse uh, 2. I want you to see this. It says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us. Who brought you to this place? Pastor Archie? Dr. Dollar? Pastor Taffy? Uh, Pastor Melissa? Uh, I don't know who else. Uh, <laughs> no, it was Christ. Christ literally grabbed you by the hand. That's why I said we, we're riding on the back of his A. He, he, he took us by the hand and he brought us into this place of un, 
undeserved privilege. Of undeserved privilege. You know, we went to that uh, Texans game last night and we were uh, at the club level. And it's, it's a little different on the club level than the level I'll be on sometimes. <laughs> I said, this is nice. They got all these nice little leather chairs, leather chairs to sit in and chill in. And, and, and it was a free ticket. It was a free ticket. The guys just like, hey, you want to go to this game? Yeah, sure, I love the Texans. Let's go to the game and everything like that. But it was so nice to just sit in this place. And then they were telling me about this other club level, you know, it's like a deeper level, where you get in the suites. And you don't pay for nothing in the suites, apparently. You know, they even bring you free stuff. Free food, they're talking about free ice cream, There's a, then they give you little free gifts. And that's a, that's a place of undeserved privilege. You don't, you don't, unless you buy the ticket, but if somebody gifts you that, like I was gifted a ticket, there's nothing I did to earn it, nothing I did to deserve it, but it's mine. I'm gonna eat everything I can eat. I'm gonna enjoy myself. I'm gonna lay back on the couch. I'm gonna put my feet up on the table. See, some of y'all don't know how to act in your privilege. That's the time to act up. That's the time to show out. Show God how much you appreciate. Wild out in your place of undeserved privilege. See, some of y'all getting there and, oh, I, I, I don't want to get nothing dirty. I don't want to eat too much. I don't. See, you're so worried about what people think about you that you can't enjoy yourself in your place of undeserved privilege. No, I am not going to be ashamed of what Christ has done for me. I am not going to be ashamed of the blessing. I am not going to be ashamed. I'm taking it all. Because his blood earned this for me. And I know he ain't running out. That's that old, uh, old sinful mentality that's scared of running out. Some of us ain't used to having nothing. Oh, y'all, y'all, I must be talking to the rich crowd today. You know how it is, you get a little money, you won't spend nothing. And you don't enjoy it. And before you know, you look up and it's gone. And you're like, man. I got that bonus check, or man, somebody blessed me, and I was so afraid to, to use it and do what God said and enjoy it, now it's gone. Anybody ever been there before? And then you'd be like me, you'd be sitting looking back over all the years that you got this and that, and you'd be adding it up like, what did I do? I got nothing to show for that, not even joy, not even happiness of enjoying it. God's saying, listen, I'm not running out of this privilege. It's more than enough. Then he says, go enjoy. Go enjoy it. It says you stand in this place and you confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Life of a Christian is not supposed to be depressing. It's not supposed to be lived in fear. You're supposed to be kicking back and enjoying yourself. And then when God says, now get up and go do this because I need you to do this, you go and do it, then you come back and chill. He says, I need you to go do this, go and do it, come back and chill. Okay, I need you to go pray for that. Okay, go do it and come back and chill. I need you to sow it. Go, go do it and come back and chill. And there's a never-ending supply. By the way, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He, he would just, you would always find him resting on mountains near lakes and this, that, and that. We're going to look at this. The mountains near lakes and stuff, praying and rejuvenating himself and chilling and everything like that. And then he would go do the work. And then he would go chill. And he'd go do the work. And he'd come back and chill. 
We just working, 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 working in our minds, working with our hands, working with our, I mean, we just work, 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 and you're working like a sinner because you're not trusting God, and you think you don't have this privilege, and you don't think you have this place, and you wonder why you're tired, you wonder why you're broke down, you wonder why all this is going on. God's like, I did not intend you to do that. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, rest. 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 I'm telling you guys, and all of this starts in your heart. Okay, and I'm not talking about the heart that pumps blood. Right now, I'm, I'm ministering to your mind, your soul, those will, uh, th th those will, those wheels, <laughs> that e those emotions to help get them lined up with what God's promise is, Amen. to get them lined up with who you really are. Amen. You are not defeated. You are not sinners. You are not in broken relationship with God. I said, you are not in broken relationship with God. Your relationship has been fixed. The question is, is do you believe it? Uh, I'm in broken relationship with God. Then you're saying that Jesus didn't do his job. He fixed the relationship. You just got to believe it and get back to talking to the Father. You got to get back to communing with the Father. We've said all these little Christianese words, and, 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 and we don't really know what we're talking about. Your relationship with God has been restored. You are his children. You are the righteous of God. Now you need to believe it and get back to communing with him. Somebody say amen. amen. So now let's go to Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 11. Let me show you this even more. Hebrews 4, 11 says, So, because of all of this, let us do our best to enter that rest. You working to try to earn rest, and before this it talks about Jesus did all of that. So do your best to enter this rest, the rest for the believer. He says, but if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. What is that saying? Think about the children of Israel. God had delivered them. He had promised them the promised land. He had shown them the promised land, but because of what they saw, it changed their belief. It changed their confession, except for a couple of the spies. And as a result, their unbelief caused them to disobey God, and that generation missed it. Did you hear what I just said? Was the manifestation there? Absolutely but because it didn't look like they thought it should look. Because it didn't sound, see they were expecting just to walk up and everything was just laid out, nobody was home, and we gonna possess this land. Not understanding they were living in a real world with a real enemy, by the way, but they served a real God. But they chose to believe the carnal thing. The Bible calls it the things of the world. They went by their senses instead of by the word of God. And that resulted in them not trusting him. And then he said, you won't get what I got for you unless you believe me. And so they, they failed to enter in to the rest by simply not believing. And I... That's why we're preaching what we're preaching right now because many of us as Christians, we're doing the same thing. We're disobeying God because we don't believe him. 
And then we're wondering, why am I not experiencing breakthrough? Your breakthrough is on the other side of your belief. Your breakthrough is on the other side of your obedience. He told you to join this church a long time. You, 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 I don't know, Lord. You know, I don't know. He told you to get involved in that department. I don't know, Lord. I don't know. He told you to hook up in that relationship. And I don't know, Lord. I don't know. He told you to get that job or quit this one. I don't know, Lord. Yeah. Going by your senses. And then you wonder why you're struggling. You're not struggling because God's mad at you. You're not struggling because you ain't the righteousness of God. You're not struggling because you're some horrible sinner. You're just struggling because you don't believe. And I know you believe based on your obedience to God. Say this with me. Say, I will experience victory from this day forward because I'm going to obey God. Guys, I wish this was more complicated, but it's not. I wish I had some eloquent, uh, articulate words to try to explain this to you, but it's that simple. You know, the gospel is not supposed to be complicated, by the way, right? I got some Greek words I can throw at you and stuff like that, but it's not, it's, not, it's not complicated. It's God loves you. Jesus sacrificed for you. Now believe it. And then do what they say. Amen. Period. Yeah. That's it. Somebody says, that's, that's, that's it for real? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And you will come back. You will keep coming back. I'm going to keep telling you that same thing in different ways. We're going to look at it in the Bible because that's important to build your faith up. It's important for those things. But literally, guys, I'm like, Lord, if I say that, then I ain't got nothing else to say. He said, exactly, because I am going to teach them. Amen. Did, did you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, but did you know that for us as believers right now, we're, the Holy Spirit's teaching you right now through what I'm saying, but all throughout this week, he's trying to continue this conversation. He's trying to give you deeper revelation. I can only give you one hour of something. Literally, I got nine minutes left on the clock, and I haven't even really got to the lesson yet. Because when you come in here, what happens is, is different ones of you guys are pulling different ways. And so the Holy Spirit will lead me certain ways to cover what it is you need to know right now. Because his promise is, is that his word will never return void. So I literally have all of this to tell y'all. Did you see that? I got all this to tell y'all. You know where we at? Right there. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hopping around it there and there and there because that, that's how it works as a preacher. And, and you just got to do what he says to do. Amen. But you know what? He'll teach you all that other stuff throughout this week. And he'll come in here and I'll talk about stuff and it'll be confirmation. And it'll get even deeper. And you'll be like, oh, that's what I saw the other day. That ever happened before? You know, in your study time, you'll come to church something, you're like, that's what I was just studying. And then it'll add revelation. That's how it's supposed to be for believers, for mature believers who are already spending time with him. And so I'm trying to get us all to that point that we already know who we are, and then we're spending time with him outside of here so that you come in ready for class already knowing the material, and then we can have a discussion together. And then we can take what we've now learned on a deeper level and then go out there and share it with people who don't know him at all. That's, by the way, what the church is supposed to be and supposed to do. So we won't be people like the children of Israel, God's test group, that who didn't believe him, yet they had everything from him. We're believers. Say that with me. Say, I'm a believer. Amen. Now I lost my place because I, I flipped up and down this thing. All right. Um, 
what was that, Hebrew? Yeah, Hebrews. Okay, so uh, let's go to, yeah, Hebrews 4, go to verse 3. Now, you're a believer, right? And as a result of a belief, as a result that you're a believer, you have been made right with God, correct? The question I want to ask you right now is, now that you've been made right with God, are you still in the old position that you were as a sinner as it relates to God? Okay. Sinners need, first of all, the law to show them that they need sin, correct? That's what the word says. That's what the law is there for. Sinners have not received and believed the message of the cross, correct? Because that's why they're still sinners, because they haven't received this. Sinners can easily find themselves needing everything from Jesus, who walked this earth and gave his life for us, who is grace, correct? Y'all getting real quiet. Believers have already received what grace has made available, right? How many times do I need to receive that? And, and then I just need to continue to walk in that belief. So if I've received, if the law has done its job, and according to the word, it's now obsolete for me, because I believe. If the cross has done its job, if grace has done its job, radical statement, then I need to now move on. Hebrews 4.3, for only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. That's where I got that earlier statement from. Verse 4, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Verse 5, but in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. Verse 6, so God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Verse 7. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is when? So that applies to you and me. Because it's today, not today. I said it's today, not today. Okay, so God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, quoted, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, that's the warning I have for you right now. Just because you do not understand just yet, understanding takes teaching, it takes a moment. Don't harden your hearts. Because if you harden your heart, you're going to miss what God has for you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this simply and then we're going to break it down uh, in our last few minutes here. You are no longer in the position you used to be when you needed a Savior. You now have the Savior living on the inside of you. So you have what you needed. It's like you were hungry and now you ate. So now that you've eaten, you don't need to be still in the line. 
to still be in the line would be gluttony. You got to get out the line so somebody else can eat. You ate. You full. You're not thirsty. You no longer hunger because you got the bread of life. You got the, 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 what, the, what, the water of Christ. You, you are full. Never to thirst again, never to hunger again, but you're still in the line. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to translate. Ephesians 2, verse 4. We're going to go up to verse 9. So, uh, we'll, stay, we'll hang out on the NLT. Ephesians 2, 4, 9. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So we were dead, but then when the sacrifice took place, we were forgiven, but something else happened in this process. Once he was raised up, we were... Hope y'all can read my writing. We were repositioned. I'm at the foot of the cross. I'm at the feet of Jesus. I need everything he got. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I'm thirsty. I'm starving. I need to eat and drink. But once I believed... I received. And once I received, I received what? My righteousness. I am now right with him. I am now repositioned as full of Christ. I have what he's given. Say that with me. I have what he's given. That's important to understand. So let's keep reading. Um, it says we were dead because of our sins. He gave us life when we, he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace that you have been saved. Verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. So I was dead. But now I've been repositioned. I, I was at the feet of the cross. I was at the feet of Jesus. Uh, I, I needed everything that he has, but something happened when I received while I was down there. I've been seated with him in heavenly realms because what? I am now united with Christ. Before, when Christ went on that cross, I was separated from him. And so, I don't know if you can see this, but I'm, I'm there, help. <laughs> and I'm there and I'm at the foot of this car and I'm like, help me. I need everything you got. But once he was raised, the Bible says he was seated. Here's my seat, or here's his seat, in heavenly places, right? What does that scripture say? I'm, where am I at now? I am no longer in need because I'm full of him and I've been repositioned 
with him. That is the state of every one of you who have believed. You need to stop trying to live like you still need the cross to do something for you. It has done its job. I know I'm messing with your religion a little bit, but he's done his job. Say this with me. I am seated with Christ. Let me show you a few quick scriptures, and I know for some of you this is review, but it's taken a few times to get in this. Go to Psalms 110, verse 1. Now, see, you have to understand this because if you think you're still over here, you'll never operate in the position that he has for you because you won't think you're worthy of what I'm about to say. Psalms 110, 1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, check this out. The Lord said to my Lord, so God's saying to Jesus, sit in the place of honor, where? At my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. The only people at the feet of Jesus are people... Yeah, are people who don't know him. They're not friends, they're enemies. Are you an enemy of God? Are you an enemy of Jesus? Then you have no business down here. Like I told you guys in that movie, uh, Black Panther, when uh, he sees his dad in that spiritual world and he goes and kneels and then his dad says, get up, you're a king. That was the king talking to the king, but his position had changed because of the death of the king. Because of the death of the king, the title, the responsibility had now passed on to the prince who was now the king. And when the title passed on, his positioning changed, which meant how he functioned changed. Kings don't bow to kings. See, I'm messing with your religion. But kings don't bow to kings. They may honor one another, but the deal is, is now I am a joint heir with Christ. I have what he has. I am not making myself uh, God over God. But I have been given the same seat. I don't deserve it. I cannot earn it. But I have it. You have been given the same seat of power. There's not Jesus sitting in the seat of power and then you got some other seat. You got the little dunce seat down here. It says you're united with Christ. Isn't that what that scripture said we just read? You can't ununite yourself to make yourself feel better. To make yourself feel worthy because that's really what it is. It's something on the inside of some of us that won't let us believe that he loved me so much that he not only saved me, but he repositioned me to a position of authority. And by the way, it's the same authority I saw Christ walk in on this earth. That's what you have right now. But the devil would love for you to continue to be religious and find yourself saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Well, Archie, what, is it, what about the scripture that says, bow down? I'm not saying there's nothing, with, nothing wrong with honoring God. 
I'm saying, do you realize, though, who you are? Because some of you are trying to honor God in that way as if you're less than who he made you. And that's what religion does. Religion is still trying to make you a slave when you are indeed a king. God needs his sons and daughters to manifest in this earth. He needs kings and queens to rule. Slaves don't rule. God, dog. Slaves don't make the rules. Slaves don't govern. Slaves don't lead. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Quit complaining about the government. The government's the way it is because we're still acting like slaves. The body of Christ won't stand up. Mad at people because they're not doing everything you want them to do like a Christian. They can't govern as Christians because their constituencies is full of everybody but Christians. And so if, I, if I'm a governor or a senator or a president or whomever and, and my constituents is a mixture of Wiccan folks and Muslim folks and this folk and, and white supremacists and, 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 and whoever else, then guess what? Whether I like it or not, I have to consider everybody. Now, I'm not saying you consider evil. Don't, don't misunderstand with the white supremacy thing. I'm just saying when you have people in your constituency that make up that, they affect everybody else. But if we got on our job and went out there and began to win souls, then guess what? This district would be Christian. This, this city would be Christian. This state would be gospel Christian, I'm talking, I'm talking about real Christian. Uh, th this region would be Christian. This nation would be Christian. And the Christians would demand Christian government. That's how it's supposed to work. But we're expecting God to come and do something he's already done. We're expecting government to come and be like God. Well, you're the rulers. I said, you're the rulers. But I'm too old to get into that. Or I'm too, see, there you go. That's why we had church, to remind you about Abraham and Sarah and all these other people where God said, listen, that stuff don't matter. You're rulers. But we too busy coming every Sunday and every Wednesday. Oh, I got to get at the feet. Let me show you something about the feet. Go to Luke 8, 35. We're going to go to Luke 8, 35, uh, Luke 8, 41, and Luke 10, 39. Luke 8, 35. Are you getting some out of this? Yeah. Amen. Y'all put that uh, time up so I can keep track of it. It says, people rushed out to see what had happened a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. This is the guy who got healed of uh, the legion demons. Um, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Why was he sitting at the feet of Jesus? He, 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 need, he just got delivered, number one, and he needed to continue to receive from Jesus. Jesus hadn't died. Deliverance hadn't been given to all, and the only way to get it was by showing up physically at Jesus and saying, please, help me. Um, what did I say? Luke 8.41. By the way, and I'm, and I'm skipping through for the sake of time, this is the same passage of, well, this one in, uh, in Luke is also the same chapter where you see the woman with the issue of blood coming to Jesus and touching his garment. 
You see several examples of people coming physically down to Jesus to receive healing, deliverance, and all that he had. Even the woman who was caught in adultery, he told her, get up. Now go sin no more. All of that means something, y'all. All of those folks did not have him. They had him physically there, but they didn't have him on the inside. So you had to come to him, help me, Lord, please. But with each one of them, eventually it was get up. And that's what he's telling us. Get up. You have me now. Get up. Uh, it says, then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, he came and he fell at the feet of Jesus. The Bible talks about how he lay prostrate at him, pleading with him to come home with him. Some of us are still doing that because, again, that religious jargon, God help me. And he's like, I literally have repositioned you. How crazy would it look for a king to be going to another king and begging him to help him with his own kingdom. It's like you have all authority. You have all power. You have all right. There's no more help that can be given you other than to help you understand and believe your authority. Uh, Luke 10, 39. Now this, this is one that is very interesting. Uh, somebody help me. Is it 38? Go back one. Uh, go back one. Yeah, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, this is a very popular one. Her sister Mary did what? Sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Now, I have preached this before as we need to be where? At the feet of Jesus. I had some good messages off of this. At the feet of Jesus, receiving from God. That principle is true, but how we do it is different now that we're believers. Jesus personally is not standing there while you do whatever you're trying to do to receive from him. He is inside you. Christ lives in you now, and via the Holy Spirit, he's the one teaching you. He's the one guiding you. Somebody say, well, how do I receive what I need from God then? How do I get charged up? How do I, you know, um, oh, how can I say? How, yeah, how do I get charged up? It, 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 you do it the same way Jesus did. You do it the same way Jesus did. Somebody say, well, how is that? I'm glad you asked. Um, go with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. I'm going to give you several examples, and then you'll start getting the point. So we do these real fast. Luke, 16, Luke, Luke 5, 15 and 16. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him. They came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Now, there it is. Why are they coming to him? Because at that point, that was the only way to get taught, the gospel. That was the only way to get healed. It was not available for everybody, so you have to physically show up. Verse 16, but Jesus often did what? Withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Now, did Jesus get at his own feet? I said, did Jesus get at his own feet? I want to be like Jesus. Well, you got to do it like he did. 
He withdrew and he went and spent time with the Father. This thing of being at the feet of Jesus was only for people who needed something from him because he had not died yet and they didn't have access to deliverance any other way. We were always supposed to be receiving our build-up and our charge-up and all of those things from God. That's how Jesus did it. That's how we're supposed to do it. But what we're really saying is, is I want to spend some intimate time with God, and we've taken that other scripture with Mary and Martha out of context, and we've made that the example of how we're supposed to spend time with God. That's how you're supposed to get saved. That's how he said she's doing the what? Needful thing. If you want to be delivered, if you want to be saved, you better hook up with me. But now for the believer, we have now been repositioned, united with Christ, so it only makes sense that I get charged up, that I worship, that I spend time, intimate time with God the same way the one who I'm united with does and did. And he often got alone and just spent time with God. So that's why I said that principle's the same, but we have to reposition our thinking, otherwise you will still find yourself unknowingly, secretly believing that God still, Jesus still needs to give you something. And what you're saying is, is his work isn't finished. I still need healing. I still need deliverance. I still need prosperity. I still need, he's like, listen, stop praying to me like that. I already gave you all of that. Did he give it to you or not? Then it's time to grow up. It's time to reposition ourselves and go from the feet to the seat and literally operate in our place of authority. Now, I know this, this is burning some of y'all. I am not disqualifying the sacrifice of Jesus. I am not disqualifying spending time with God. We are rightly dividing scripture so it can actually have effect in your life. You have Christ. Let me just say it the way it is intimately connected with you. There's a reason why when you look in the New Testament, Paul refers to this connection that we have with Christ and with God as an intimate intercourse. Is it more powerful for the bride of Christ to intimately be at his feet or to be intimately connected with him, if you know what I mean? Which is more intimate? Yeah, if I was Melissa, come sit at my feet. My wife, don't do that. But if I was like, Melissa, I want to spend time with you. Come sit at my feet. Or Melissa, I want to spend time with you. That's why he uses that as the reference point. The intercourse is the more intimate experience. But we're looking at the feet thing where I'm sitting on Jesus' lap thing. Only children sit on his lap. You're rulers. I know, but don't harden your heart. You're rulers. This is for the mature believers. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. No longer one with a child, but he's looking for, and what would happen, God Almighty, what would happen if we learned true intimacy with the Father? What would happen if we experienced true intimacy with him? What would happen in our marriages if we really learned what intimacy really was? 
What would happen with our children if we really learned what intimacy was? What would happen with our, with our everyday living and serving God if we really learned what intimacy was? Jesus knew it. And that's why he walked with such power and authority because he was intimately working with the Father. He said, I'm not doing nothing the Father didn't say to do. I'm not saying nothing the Holy Spirit's not telling me to say. There was an intimate connection. And we have continuously degraded that connection down to a point that's made us just servants or slaves. Jesus said, I'm no longer calling you servants. You're my friends. You have been seated with me in a place of authority. And as a result, you have the same intimate ability to connect with God the Father so that you can operate as I did. But you got to be willing to drop the religious jargon, to drop the stuff that ain't working for you, and get into the seat of authority. You are to be in the seat of power Amen. with Jesus. But I can't be at his feet and in the seat at the same time. I don't think it's a coincidence that at no time, and, and I'm going to write these other scriptures down because we, we can't go to them now, but... Um, Mark 135, Luke 6, 12, 13, Matthew 14, 13, Matthew 14, 23, Mark 9, 2, and Mark 14, 26. Mark 135, Luke 6, 12, 13, Matthew 14, 13, Matthew 14, 23, Mark 9, 2, Mark 14, 26. All of those are scriptures where it's showing Jesus going and getting away. At mountains, near lakes, he did that a lot near lakes and stuff like that. We would often go and get away alone. And that's how he would recharge them. And if you read before and after, it was normally when ministry was either have just taken place or about to take place. He was getting himself ready. Getting him, or getting himself replenished. And that's what you and I are supposed to do. That's what you were not supposed to do. He was getting instructions. He was, he was getting wisdom. And then he would go out and do the work. And then he'd go back and rest. And that's spending time with God. That's intimately connecting with him. We've been doing that and calling it being at the feet of Jesus and just misunderstanding. And I was like, God, why do you want me to explain this to, to them this way? Some of y'all heard me say this when we first preached this a couple of weeks ago. And he said, listen, if they don't understand their position, they will continue to daily come to me asking me for what I've already given them. And they'll never truly know intimacy with me. And if they don't know intimacy with me, they won't properly receive from me. And if they don't receive from me, then they can't give me out. I said, my God. So he's saying, you're repositioned. You have full authority. And if you want to continue to spend time with God, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Just understand you do it the same way Jesus did. You go off and you spend time with God the Father. Again, I want to make this crystal clear. We're not degrading Jesus one bit. We're just allowing Jesus to do what he actually did. 
and we're rightly dividing the word, and now you're getting in proper place. What was Jesus' ministry? What was his job, and what is his job still to this day? He can't move from the seat, because if he moves from the seat, then that moves us. You understand that? He's seated in that seat now because he has given us this position of authority. And if he gets up and gets out the seat and moves, then we move with him. Now, he will eventually get out that seat when he returns. But what does the Bible say happens to us? We rule. We move with him. You're not on the floor groveling anymore. You're not begging for crumbs no more. You're not trying to get whatever's left over like a dog from the master. You're seated in the heavenly place with Christ. Now you're starting to understand what it takes to live right and to rule right with God. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. So as I said, man, you get, get here on Wednesday night. We're going to be picking up right where we left off. And, and, and I'm telling y'all, if y'all are hungry for the word, we're going to keep slanging this word uh, and, and giving it out. Um, but you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss none of this. Because every week, oh, y'all can go ahead and start playing. Every, every, every week, it's, it's going to be building and building and building and building. And, and, and I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know what revelation is going to come out, but I know it's going to be good. And so make a commitment, make a decision to say, I'm not going to miss one bit of this. Somebody say, I got to work on Wednesday night. That's why we come on YouTube. It's free. Just, just uh, what do you have to do? Subscribe to that World Changes Church Houston and, and get it live. But don't you miss a week of this. With all the scripture we go over and all the stuff that's, that's said, you, you can't afford to miss a week. You know what I'm saying? It's like summer school in college. You know, you fool around and miss a, miss a class if you want to. You don't miss two, two years. They talking about it's a quiz tomorrow. On what? So, so get all of this so that we can go ahead and go and become the body of Christ that God has said we are supposed to be here in Houston. Houston got to get ready. I'm telling y'all, Houston better get ready. Houston better get ready for what's on the inside of you. We're going to take this city by the gospel of grace. We have a great city, a fantastic city. But our city needs to understand the gospel of grace so that they can be empowered to change. Amen? Amen. Uh, Father, I just thank and praise you for your word that you've ministered on today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for your abundance of love that made everything that we talked about today possible. We receive our new positioning. Jesus, we adore you. We thank you for making righteousness available. We thank you for bringing us into the place that we don't deserve. We thank you for allowing us to be seated with you as co-heirs of God. And Lord, we commit to spending more time receiving and being refreshed and rejuvenated with you. 
And Lord, we pray now for all of those who are at your feet, who do not know you, who need to receive from you. We pray that they have a mighty experience with you that takes them from just being your creation to now being your children. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes from that. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen.